Tina Peters is, is working tonight, so she's not able to be with us, but we're always thinking of you and hoping that you are here. So, you know, we'll see you on the next one, but of course we talk to you all the time. So, you know, yep. got to make that paper. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we sipping on tonight? Okay, we're going to sip on a French martini. Oh. And this, this one, it has vodka, uh, raspberry liqueur, uh, pineapple juice and one raspberry to garnish is such a simple, uh, simple cocktail. You, you put everything in a um, cocktail shaker with ice, and you shake it really well, so it can have you know a foamy layer. And then you strain into a chilled martini glass and garnish with a raspberry. Okay, that sounds excellent. You know, and I'm a martini drinker, but that sounds too sweet for me. <laughs> I, yeah, I think so too. And I was going to say for the for the mocktail. For the mocktail, you know, I was going to say probably get some raspberry lemonade um, and well, the, shoot, even with the pineapple juice. And, you know, that might be a little bit too sweet, too. Oh, okay. Even if, but you know what? You can mix it with tea, though. Delicious. Oh, no. You said mix it with tea? Yeah, like if you brew some, like if you get some raspberry tea instead of the raspberry lemonade. That yeah. might cut the sweetness and then maybe put some pineapple juice with the raspberry in it. That'd be okay. good. Yeah. I'm over here trying to share this to my page. I'm telling you, the inner this this system is just not kind today for me at all. Cause I'm trying to okay, I found it because I shared it and then it said that it hadn't started yet. And I'm like, well, we're on it's showing from our page <laughs> that we are live. So I'm going to share it really quick from the page. I'm going to switch it out and now put, again, we are live because I feel like I already did that before. Oh, you know, so today's conversation is talking about your, your, your health is your mental wealth, right? Wow. A lot of what we do and how we take care of our bodies have a lot to do with our our well-being, our mental well-being, how good we feel, especially how good we feel emotionally. There's so much tied to um, wellness that people forget about. And it's May. It's, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. What better way to talk about, you know, your physical health than having our guest, um, Dr. Pani Nazari, with us, who's a pelvic floor therapist. And she's been on sh the show before. But that was before we were live. So people will really get to engage with her. And when I say that I learned a lot about pelvic floor therapy and there's so much tied to it, like fun fact, I did not know that men had a pelvic floor also that has to be strengthened. Yes. Well, you know, that makes sense, though. But, you know, I OK, I used to watch. <laughs> I used to watch a show called Sex Inspectors, right? Mm 
Okay. Years ago on, on, of course, HBO. And they were trying to help men and women uh, get their sexual drive, their sexual relationship back together. And he would tell, he told one guy who was like a fast, basically a minute man, to hold his pee. Like he would tell him the same thing they tell us to do with our kegels. And like he would tell him to get an erection and then put a towel on the erection and then squeeze. And it'll help, you know. And I guess so. Yeah, men can kegel. Yeah, right. That's why, you know, that's why I'm I'm gonna be so excited to have her on in a few. Um, you know, and I just told her I'm I'm so into this because when I learned about how the pelvic floor is tied to so much of your body parts, your pelvic floor keeps everything. So I mean, and the way she breaks everything down, it's it's so it's holistically healthy. Yeah. Like seriously, you're not just for you know for incontinence or what is it, incontinence? Incontinence, yeah. It, it's great for a, a whole bunch of other things. So you know, I'm just saying this. So for if you're tuning in, one thing I do hope is get your questions ready because I'll be reading questions uh, and just ask, asking her anything because I'm telling you, when I have when I've had her on two times, I'm always finding out new information. That's really cool. She's super down to earth. And so if you are a woman and are not aware of what pelvic floor therapy will do for you, not only would it enhance your sex drive, which you know what? I tell you what, sex is good for mental health. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get it. Is, it is great for getting those endorphins, you know, going and th- so that's tied to it as well. So there's so many facets that pelvic floor therapy can help with that ties back to your your general physical health, your mental health, and of course your emotional health. Because I'm sure you, and you might be emotional or angry or something else like that. So huh, not my business. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what we normally. Also, start our show off because it's Wednesday and it's Women Crush Wednesday, Wind Down Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. We always do recognize some hardworking women that are, you know, that's doing some amazing things out here in this world. So, with that, Louisa, do you have a WCW for today? I do, um, because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, but it is also uh, uh, Asian Island Pacific. Month or what you know, a recognition month. So I picked uh Maya, la, 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 la. Maya, <laughs> Maya Ying Ying Lin. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people heard her, but you know the um the Vietnam uh veterans memorial in D.C. Okay, she was in Yale um during her undergrad years. And she created, she won, um, let me get it right. She won a national uh, design competition mm-hmm. um, for this. And, and her design is what we see down in D.C. now. Mm-hmm. So okay. um, I just wanted to recognize her because a lot of people don't know, you know, how, who, you know, we really don't know who creates the memorials or, or the process of the memorial. And and she has also created other memorials and sculptures and a lot of the things that she does. Um, she gets her inspiration from nature. 
Okay. She, of course, it's a, you know, because you know she likes she's worried about the nature, she's an environmentalist. So um, that's one of her biggest things. And she said of all the things she designed, the Vietnam Memorial was one of her favorites. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. That's what's up. So today, my WCW is Inez Beverly Proser. She's the first um, African-American woman to complete a PhD in psychology back in 1933. Wow. Yeah. So I'm highlighting this because can you imagine having that field that was untapped for black women until 1933, which is wow. stigmatized as well. So I can't imagine I, that's who I, I was like, I think that's some good information for people to know being that it's mental health awareness month that in 1933, we had our first African-American woman doctor. That's awesome. Yes, Inez Beverly Proser, she passed in 1934, um, and there's just a year, exactly a year shy after getting, you know, after getting her her PhD in psychology. Wow. I know, right? The little untapped thing. The good thing is, like, right now, our guest is in the house a little early, so we can bring her on and just start this conversation. Hi, I'm going to bring you on now. Come on here. We can. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. She's coming. Hi. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? Good. Dr. Panny in the house again. Oh, my God. I was just having conversations about, you know, telling people that they really need to tune in because this is live and that they want to ask questions now would be a good time. I also dropped a little a little fun fact that I learned from you about men having a pelvic floor, and someone said they didn't know that either. So <laughs> without further ado, I'm going to have you introduce yourself, tell our viewers you know, a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then explain to them what pelvic floor therapy is. I'll be more than happy to. First of all, I am so grateful to you for doing this again, because we need people like you who advertise this, who normalize it. And especially in this day and age where there is such a bad disparity between healthcare and what is provided for women in particularly, and for transgender people, for people with all the differences that nobody talks about their health and, you know, health physical therapy of the public health really intervenes with the mental health because we tend to take a lot of our stress and anxiety in our pelvis and in our pelvic floor muscles. So I, if I could get a dollar for every patient that comes to see me for pelvic pain and I tell them, do you wear a mouth guard and do you have neck pain? And they say, yes, I would be a rich person. But anyway, because usually this is the two ends of our spine and it's very much neurologically innervated. So a lot of people who take a lot of stress and anxiety, we tend to take it in our pelvic floor. So let me go back, just back, go back to your question. I jumped ahead because I'm so excited that you're doing it. I really, really, really want you to know that you're phenomenal because you were at the heart of the game. You interviewed me way before anybody else was talking about pelvic floor. So go sister. So thanks. Uh, Anyway, um, I'm Pani Nazari. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I've been a physical therapist for some people weren't born. And I graduated at 
before from PT school, actually from Howard University in DC. Then I went back to school and got my doctorate. Uh, at the time that I graduated in 94, it was just an undergrad degree. And then I um, went back to school and got my doctorate just to be, check it off my bucket list. <laughs> and I learned so much about that. Uh, different things have changed, obviously. But I had started in an orthopedic world of physical therapy of what people normally refer to physical therapy as being, you know, your shoulder, your hip, your knee. And I still do that. But um, after having my own children, which I love and adore, I started having some pelvic related issues. Um, this is like early 2000. I was having a lot of urinary control. Um, what I had pelvic collapse is just when it's the organs drop down and you just, you know, you know, as one of my colleagues used to say, the babies come out and they bring a few souvenirs with them. So uh, <laughs> a little more than they need to really. <laughs> exactly. They drain you inside out. So anyway, so that's when I was seeking help and I realized that there was not much help at all for women and everybody kind of normalized a lot of these issues. Yeah, you had a baby or, you know, you're having urinary issues, bowel issues, prolapse issues. Yes, your aunt did and your grandma did and everybody else did too. So deal with it. And I was like, well, I'm 30 some years old and I'm not going to deal with it. So uh, that's when I started to get in the world of pelvic floor. And I was very grateful for the people who taught me what I know and started it to other public therapists uh, for other physical therapists to do this and thankfully within the past few years it's really grown to be more of a you know buzzword if you will in terms of learning about it and a lot of you know and you know when hollywood people start talking about it then you're like okay now it's gonna go everywhere so i've been very very grateful for my opportunities and now i just as of last week i opened my own clinic um i used to work at Congratulations. So much. I worked in a hospital setting for 18 years, created a pelvic health program for them. And it was wonderful. They're like my family, but it was just time to do something more uh, holistic and comprehensive that I can just take a person on and not have a lot of regulations around me and just see the patients as long as I want, treat them from their head to toe and not just for pelvis. So I think it would just it's just given me the opportunity to be more autonomous, if you will. So that's my story. Yeah. So for like I said, for those who are listening, what exactly is pelvic floor therapy? All right. So sorry for my lack of knowledge. We don't have a visual for everybody, do we? Is this can people see or no? Yes, they can see. I'm oh. gonna put you fix me. Yes, they can see. So okay. Because I would love to bring the model if I'm allowed. Oh yeah, you can. You right. can bring the model. Okay. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm. This is. Going to be oh, we're in science class. Oh, yes. this is so cool. This is gonna be the best because people will actually get to see. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put her on a solo. <laughs> yeah, so, we need that. Mm -hmm. So pelvic floor, and um, just if I stand up for a second. You can, can visualize where these muscles live. This in the human body is the spine in the back. So you're looking here. So you're looking at the hollow of the pelvis. This is your pubic bone in the front. A lot of women who've been pregnant know where that is exactly because that baby just loves to put his head or her head there. All the red stuff that you see inside 
like a ball, if you will, or a hammock is the pelvic floor muscles. So they live down here. Now I'm going to give you a view of the external component of the pelvis. So if we take the skin off, we're going to see all the structures. Again, these are all muscular. Aside from the muscles, of course, there is the nerves and there's the blood and the there's this other structure called the fascia, which is like this thin layer of tissue that supports our, like a, again, another layer of hammock. But as you can see, these muscles go around the vaginal opening, around the anal opening. And the only difference between men and women is that women, okay, little trivia question. All of us had a vagina in our mommy's bellies. And when the boys become boys, that this muscle here comes together and becomes the base of the penis and along the penile shaft. Wow. Oh, yeah. So it's very similar. Yep, that's why they have that line underneath their penis. If you never pay any attention. I, I know. Uh -huh. <laughs> A little inspection. Yeah. So basically, that's what it is. So that's why it's so it's so common sense to now, once you know it, that, okay, yeah, of course, men can suffer from a lot of issues that women can as well, except that they have a couple of pluses and we have a couple of pluses as women. Women have extra muscles internally right behind, oh, let me figure this out, behind the pubic bone where our urethra comes from, just the extra couple of muscles for a little additional closure around the urethra. And men, the advantage they have because the penis comes out and part of the urethra is inside and the penis has a couple of kinks in it, they have better control over the urinary stuff and they don't have extra hold for things to come out and, you know, for them. So the role of the pelvic floor muscles are multifactorial. One of the main things that we all are familiar with is to keep things in. So once we are potty trained, Urine and gals and bowels should not drop out. Um, the other thing that it is, all of these muscles that are more external and a little more superficial, if you will, as you can see, it goes around the clitoral shaft and this, this is all erectile tissue that helps with sexual pleasure. And the clitoris basically is the tip of the penis. So that's how the whole gland changes. So, but all of these tissue are very stimulating and it helps with the sexual pleasure. So if you can think of those women who've had a vaginal delivery, like a real big tear or, you know, or episiotomy or that has caused a lot of restriction in here, that mobility that they need to accommodate sexual penetration or even sexual satisfaction can be a little bit compromised because the tissue needs to have some good amount of mobility in there. So that's where that is. And then the same thing toward the back, you know, the rectal muscle around the anus, that's that's what's really important for closure and support as well. Does that make sense so far? And yes. That's, um, uh, they also help with our balance and our walking because they're keeping our two pelvis together. So when you're standing to put your pants on, they're working to keep you bound, help you with the other muscles, obviously, but they play a big role in terms of support and also not only balance, but support of the organs like your, you know, uterus, your bladder, your rectum. That's why a lot of women who go through menopause and their muscles thin out and their, you know, estrogen is deprived, they may have more symptoms of urinary or support for their organs because these guys need to be nice and fluffy and thick and, you know, juicy <laughs> to be supporting the organs as they get older with estrogen changes and stuff, they thin out so the support gets compromised.
They also help with pumping fluid in our body. It's kind of, I always call it the grand central because it's kind of helps from the arm to the legs. They kind of we interact. So it becomes mechanically very important for human body. Wow. So okay. would you would you suggest like estrogen therapy when you get ready to go through menopause, like before or during menopause yeah. to help with, with that? Yeah, so a lot of women and a lot of new studies have come out, actually, despite what we learned uh, many years ago about that everybody voted against hormone therapy. Um, actually, um, American College of um, OBGYN, they just published a new paper, too, that's saying that supplementation of the estrogen it has more benefit than, you know, the pros are a lot more than the cons that we once knew. Obviously, every person is different, you know, if they have a history of breast cancer. But I have oncologists that we work with, too, that I'm like, you know, she's her sexual satisfaction and their other things are as equally important for her. So the type of cancer matters. And sometimes with those women that they just do the local estrogen therapy, just a little cream or a tablet or, you know, any type of sometimes the ones that are having problem with orgasm or other tissues, they give you not just estrogen, a little bit of testosterone, all the hormones that we need to keep the area, you know, pain-free. And um, the other thing that's important, some of the thinning and the tissue changes can lead potentially to vulvar cancer. So it's good to get that checked. And that's a message I want to send to all the women out there. Nobody ever looks at your vulvar skin. The vulva being when you open the labia and you have the non-hairy part and inside, your dermatologist never looks at it. Your OBGYN never looks at it. More and more women find that they have vulvar cancer when it's stage four because it just doesn't get picked up. So just like we like to believe that everybody does a breast exam, I would say, especially as you become to perimenopausal, postmenopausal ages, once in a while, put the mirror down, put your phone down. I don't care what you do. You put it in front of you and inspect the skin. If you see any changes in the skin, like, you know, you would do anywhere else on your body, monitor it. If within a month or so there is a change in it, again, please see a dermatologist that does biopsies and check it out. So Sorry, I drifted away, but yeah, short no, answer. That's good information. That's yeah. super good information. Yes, estrogen therapy. I'm going through a menopause myself, and as soon as I started having symptoms, I'm like, give it to me with the, with the IV man. <laughs> so let me ask you this. How do you know or how do people know if they need pelvic floor therapy? Like, what are some signs that people might have that might say, you know what, you might want to go... And because it's not a big thing, they can go to a doctor. And if a doc their doctor is not that familiar with pelvic floor therapy, what can people say if they have certain symptoms when they go to their physicians that they can say, hey, um, I'm having this issue and I'm, you know, I have an interest in pelvic floor therapy, or you know, what are some symptoms or signs that people need pelvic floor therapy? That's a great question as well, because we know that doctors are not asking those questions, right? And unfortunately, that's the fault of our medical system, because if they did ask, more women and more men will talk about it. So with women, well, both with all genders, you should not have urinary incontinence. You should not pee in your pants when you cough or sneeze or laugh. I don't care how old you are. You should not have urgency for your bowel movements or fear of, you know, like having accidents, even gas control. 
Um, a lot of women and men, for that matter, decrease their fluid intake because they're going to go out and they're worried about their bladder function because they have a lot of urinary frequency or urgency and discomfort. None of that is normal. I don't care if every woman or every man in your family historically has added, there has to be something that you can do. Pain with sex should not be pain uh, normal at all, If regardless of your age. If there is, like you were saying, that if it's a hormonal imbalance, if it's muscle guarding, if it's a history of trauma, all of that should be addressed. So pain is not okay. Um, and also sometimes if some people have had kind of failed other kind of traditional therapy for back pain, for sacroiliac pain, like the joint in the back that hurts, sometimes the element of it can be the missing piece of the puzzle, maybe the pelvic floor dysfunction, because so there, I have patients that tell me I have hamstrings. Well, the my hamstrings are basically the muscles on the back of your thigh, and they attach and blend in right in here. Or they say, you know, I have this deep pain in my glutes, and I've been going to therapy, and they've been massaging it forever, doing this and stretching it, and nothing is helping. Well, there are a lot of hip rotators inside of the pelvis too. Sometimes there are hip issues that is presenting itself as a hip issue, but traditional things are not addressing it. Um, so in general, I would say, you know, chronic back, chronic pain, any sense of pressure or discomfort in the perineum in the central part or the lower abdomen can be a sign of, you know, pelvic organs are dropping down. Um, also, the other thing that can be, you know, presented sometimes is um, with men who whether they're having sex with men or other uh, or women, they can have ejaculatory issues or in premature uh, ejaculation or uh, you know very not so, very solid uh, erection because these muscles that I was showing you they need to be nice and relaxed for the blood flow to come for both genders again for a nice erection and ejaculation and if it's not happening so all of those should not be brushed off. Wow, so. I'm going to say this because, and then I'm going to have you explain it a little bit, a little bit more, because I had to learn this when I first started going through pelvic floor therapy many, many years ago. There is a right way and a wrong way to kale. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I know a lot of women will be like, oh yeah, I kegel all the time, but there's yeah. a right and wrong way to kale. Yes, ma'am. It is very good. Yes. So Going back to the anatomy, I showed you guys where the pelvic floor muscles live. They don't live in your belly. They don't live in your eyebrows. They don't live on your toes. They live in your pelvis. So the one mistake that people make is that they tighten a lot more than they have to, whether they take their glute muscles in or their abdominals in, or, you know, again, like they raise their eyebrows, I don't know, whatever they're doing, or they hold their breath. So this is the only type of exercise you want to do that less is more. So you want to isolate the muscles correctly, but not feel like you have to have superpowers, despite what you may read in the newspapers or magazines, or I don't know, one of those actresses was saying, put the jade egg around in your vagina and run around the house. You don't need to explain that, okay? So what you need to uh, recognize is that these muscles live here. And I'm just going to give a little feedback and people can practice it is that the, around the anus, which is right here, like not your glutes, 
sorry, I can't figure out which way to turn, sorry, um, around the anal sphincter, think about if you were to stop the flow of gas. So if you're sitting on it, you can just feel this little bit of the closure. Then I want you to think about the front part. They, that happens simultaneously because they live in the same level. So I give all sorts of visual to my patients, like close the doors in front of the vagina, like you want to bring the labia together and sp stop the flow of urine at the same time as stop the flow of gas. So you close the doors and then you have muscles on the left and right side. Think about how can you scoop inside of you and then your urethra lives right here. Can you think about pulling your urethra up a little bit? Okay. But as long as they feel a little something happening inside, like if I'm sitting here doing it and you're talking to me, you shouldn't know that I'm doing it. <laughs> it's really internal, right? <laughs> and, okay. Uh, yeah. So the less is more. It's kind of like one of the concepts of, you know, work smarter, not harder type of thing. Yes. Scoop up all the muscles. But don't go to your belly, to your glutes, holding your breath and stuff. And the other mistake that I've heard that people, two main things I want people to know. One is people have heard that the best time to do Kegels is when they're peeing and they want to stop the urine flow so they can find the muscles. If they do that every time, they're going to neurologically affect their bladder potentially and you can have urinary retention. So the best thing to do is that you could do that today just to see, did I, do I have the muscles? Do I know how to stop the flow? But, and they're like, no, I couldn't really stop it, but I could like slow down the stream. So that tells them that the muscle may not be as strong. Then maybe a month from now, after they've done the exercises and practiced it, then try it again as a test, as an assessment tool, but not as an exercise. So then a month from now, maybe they try to close again and they're like, oh yeah, I stopped it mostly. So that shows that the muscle is bulking up and they have better closure of that muscles at the urethral opening. The other thing that people do incorrectly is that they pump the muscles. They squeeze, squeeze, squeeze quickly, quickly, quickly. And that has, has its own place, but not to do correctly that fast, okay? Because if they have a lot of people are actually tight, and not weak. And that's why they leak or have problems because a short muscle can't work anymore, right? If your biceps is already here, you can't pick up anything with it. So mm. if the muscles around the urethra are already short and tight, they can't close as well. And then if they pump the muscle too quickly to find it, they can actually put the muscle in more spasm. So I would tell my patient, can you squeeze and at 50% of your effort, Hold for two seconds and then relax for four seconds. Make sure you drop it all the way down. Then maybe you can hold it for four or five seconds and rest for four or five seconds. So you train your pelvic muscles just like you would train, you know, for a marathon and for a sprint because they we have both kind of muscles. You know how in the chicken you have the dark meat and the white meat? We have yeah. the meat and the white meat in our pelvic floor. Some is to keep us up all day run, running around with us. Some have to work quickly so when you sneeze or cough, they can close quickly and we don't leak, but they don't need to work long. So you want to train the muscles both for quick contraction and a little longer holds. Okay. So the other thing I just want to um, share that I learned that I was doing incorrectly even when I was – and it still takes work for me because <laughs> it, it's a mental thing. There's, there's also the breathing. There's proper breathing when you are kegling and you and 
it's a whole mess. I still don't have that down, but because it takes a lot of concentration for me to get it right. So I have to think about it. But it, your breathing is also associated with doing it correctly. Absolutely. Um, there are three main valves or more than that. You know, some people say there is more than that. But if you think about your glottis, which is right here, that stops us from, you know, in our throat. Then we have our diaphragm, which is right here. And we have our pelvic floor muscles. They work all day long together. They're in synergy. They, with every breath that we take, they go up and down together. When we inhale, everything goes down because our lungs are filling up, pushes things down. So our diaphragm goes down or pelvic floor muscles. And we exhale, we, everything recoils right back up. So there's that synergy that happens. So if people are having a real hard time organizing their breath with these contractions <laughs> but you're still cute <laughs> so, <laughs> so you inhale and relax and as you exhale kind of get the assistance of the pelvic floor to come up with it so ideally they get it going they find like you know i always say you know like you were a girl and you were learning how to ride a bicycle first mm -hmm. you get that training wheels once you have the training wheels off then you can do tricks so once you know, okay, these are my muscles, I coordinated with exhalation and breathing out, then hopefully you can work on the longer horns and hold the pelvic muscles and still breathe normally on top of it. Okay. So I'm going to also share because I, and I'm sharing a lot, even of, and I'm sharing like my personal experience with pelvic floor therapy, because had I not been introduced to it, I, I probably would have, oh, it, I would be a whole hot mess. <laughs> telling you but there were so many things that I learned uh, while I was going through pelvic floor therapy just like for so I want to help hopefully educate other women of what to have conversations about with your GYNs it is so crucially important because your pelvic floor is tied to so many GYN issues that you wouldn't believe so I while I was going when I first started going to pelvic floor therapy my vaginal muscles, I found out, don't relax. So then not only did I have to learn how to kegel, I had to, they gave me a little instrument that I had to insert into my vagina and then move in different places to help relax my muscles. So she, yes, she's actually very right. Dr. Penny's actually very right when she says sex should not hurt and your vagina should not be super like this. Most women would think, oh, yes, this is a good thing. It actually is. It really is not. Even if sex is not painful, but it's hard to get in, that's because your pelvic muscles or your vaginal muscles are not relaxed to allow the penis to enter. So there's I had to learn this. So and I'm not as sure. I'm, of course, this is not my field. So if you can kind of explain that what I'm talking about, because I'm sure I'm just looking I'm looking very in general for here. <laughs> Actually, you're explaining it wonderfully. You're doing it, and I think you're the best advocate for it because you've lived it. So that's really important to talk about it and just again normalize it. No, you're absolutely right. Some women have more of an emotional contraction of their muscles, right? Some trauma, birthing experiences, a bad doctor examination. 
religious reasons, you know, family beliefs and stuff that they just hang on to their pelvic floor a lot. And again, anxiety and stress. I see a lot of young young men with pelvic floor dysfunction presenting as, you know, sexual dysfunction, urinary dysfunction, but all it is, they're guarded and tight. And I tell you, this pandemic has not done anybody good with their pelvic floor. Good for business (laughs) or people. Yeah. Art. You know, people are sitting in really horrible desk situations and family and stress and all of that. So that all tends up the muscles. So only I can do only so much if it's a true, if it's a more emotional thing, I use biofeedback machine and I teach them how to train the muscles to relax and, you know, breathe through it. And sometimes for some people, it's just that it's just the click to understand, oh, I'm tight. Okay, I can let it go. Because it's just a you know subconscious tightening with some women more than others, just like you were saying, is that it's like a something anatomical. Some women are worn with too much sensory input in the area. And what we use, they used to call them vaginal dilators. Now the better name for it is vaginal trainers. And they basically, they always, I have a sample of it. I'll be happy to bring it and show it to people. But it's just usually, uh, I always think of those little Russian dolls that go inside each other. They basically start as a small as a tampon and they progressively get bigger. So patients can, women can work on their own. Some men who are, you know, have anal sex, some women who have anal sex, they can use it as well for training themselves to relax the pelvic muscles. So it's just the process of, you know, not exactly the same, but like if you had a knee injury and your hamstrings and your quads really tightened up because you were in a cast for a while and you have to gradually stretch those muscles. And to some extent with the pelvic region and the vaginal region, you want to kind of desensitize it too because it may be too hypersensitive or too, you know, guarded in a way. So, um, yes. So if you want, I can do one. Yes, you can. You can. Cause I will share also. So when she said it's like the dolls, I was given one size. This is how long ago <laughs> I started pelvic floor therapy. Oh my gosh. Probably back in around 2017. And Penny was on the show back, I think around the first time in 2018. But I would not have known about pelvic floor therapy if it wasn't for one of my really good friends who was having pelvic floor therapy and she lives far away. And I was like, let me ask my GYN about this. So I did. And they put me in pelvic floor therapy. Yeah. And I'm surprised that you got in as, you know, and people didn't poo-poo your idea, right? <laughs> I would hear about some of the things that patients have heard from their physician because of their lack of knowledge. And, you know, they're like, oh yeah, just go drink some wine. You'll be fine. You know? And I'm yeah. like, Oh, so basically this is, I have a different few brands in here. I'm not, I'm not getting commission from any of them. I just have these in my clinic for, but as you can see, you can see how they go inside each other kind of like this. This is one brand and this is the smallest. If you want to see and compare to my finger, it's pretty much the same girth. And then they progressively get bigger and they have like a little handle you can attach to it, you know, and they come in different um, like a material. So this is like a firmer plastic, you know, firmer, and it makes it easier to work with certain amount muscles. Um, that's one brand. This uh, other brand is called Intimate Rose. They are very much, you know, these are 
you know, women who have created this, they have the same thing and it comes with a handle, but this is more like a silicone, like a firm. Some women that are really hypersensitive really like these. And they, and again, they come all the way. This is like one of them. They've gotten really fancy because mine does not look like none. No, no, no. Mine looks like it literally a piece, a piece of plastic that's about this, this long. That's yeah. it. It's not very big. It's just enough to just like stretch and the muscles. Me, so you a long way in pelvic floor therapy. Because I was 2017. One, yeah, and this one is really great too because if you have deeper muscles that are tight and you're just hard to get into, um, again, um, Intimate Rose came, came up with this thing. It's like a little handle on it and you can just kind of go around. So if I'm going inside of the pelvis, like through here, you can get to these side walls and the back walls a little bit more with this. And this is fun because it's vibrating too. So you can get a little, you know, fun with it too later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's basically, but it's sometimes the little bit of a vibration helps to relax the muscles too. So oh. because it has two ends, you know, it's a larger end and a smaller end for different people who may need it. Um, so that's, those are the tools people can have to kind of do the self-treatment in between PT sessions and guidance that they get. Wow. So, you know, I'm, I am hoping all of you watching, if you have any questions hit, you know, I'm, I'm monitoring all the questions. Anybody ask, I'll definitely ask. There's, there's people who said that, that, you know, this is great information, but it's, you know, especially for women. And so I want you to talk about this because I know, well, while it's important for men, sure. It's, Pelvic floor therapy is far more important for women, especially after you give birth, especially if you have fibroids, especially if after a hysterectomy, there are so many things that you should know about pelvic floor therapy for those things. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. And just add on to that, if you can, if we can, as mothers and sisters and friends, advocate for our young women so they don't have issues postpartum if we can teach them thankfully for the past year i'm seeing more and more women coming to see me they are saying that i just found out i'm pregnant what can i do to protect myself from injuries so they don't end up like me right have a prolapse organ or incontinence or other issues first of all before you start that really quick tell everybody what prolapse means because oh, I think people, sorry. you're hearing, you're saying the word. I don't think people really understand what the prolapse actually means for that to happen oh, to a woman. Number one advice, do not Google it. <laughs> Pictures <laughs> are Paste <laughs> things that you can see in the world. But pelvic organ prolapse means that the organ that in your body that was further up in your body usually... So let's use this as an example. And I have a poster I can bring to show people too. But let's say if your bladder used to live up here, right, inside the pelvis, now it's dropping down and coming toward the vaginal opening, okay? So, or your uterus or your rectum even. And actually, I have to, I'm not promoting, but I because I had the rectal seal, meaning, so whenever women hear the word seal at the end of a word, so you can have a, Urethrocele means that your urethra is falling down. Do you want me to give you a poster picture of it? Okay. Can they, oh, yeah. well, go ahead. They can handle it. Sure. This is 
This is some education. It's, for yeah, it's really good. And and if you it hopefully no one has a, a weak stomach, but we need we all need to know this. Yeah. We all deal with this. We need to know. It's not okay. my if my twenty year old son can't listen, you can't listen. So. <laughs> Somebody also asked, is there one main cause of pelvic floor issues in women? Um pre poor pressure management, meaning if you're a breath holder. If you have long history of constipation and straining, that can cause some of these prolapse issues. Um, sometimes some genetic backgrounds, you know, you're definitely your genes can play a role in it. Um, poor diet can play a role in it. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of women don't have time to take care of themselves. So they don't drink enough water. They don't. And it's I know it's counterintuitive, but lack of water intake, thank you for saying she's drinking her fluid. Um, lack of water intake can cause more urinary and bowel issues. So the more we can educate people in exercise, obviously it's important, but any kind of straining for even, like I had a female patient who didn't even have babies, but she was a UPS delivery person and all the lifting and carrying caused enough pressure that gave her pelvic related issues. The other thing that can cause um, a lot of pelvic related issues is endometriosis, which is that uh, issues with the, you know, very painful periods and the scarring in the guts and stuff. GI issues in general, you know, in terms of like IBS or bloating, discomfort, any kind of, because it's interconnected, right? If you have inflammation in your guts, you can have distress to the pelvic area too. So it's not just that one thing, uh, but then commonly you see these comorbidities existing together. Okay. Woo, that's, it's, it's so much to that. So your poster, your show, you're going to share here so if you guys tell me that you can see this comfortably i can go about it I'm, i have you on i have you on the big screen so people can see okay let me figure out how i'm gonna do this okay so here in this picture here if people can see there is the bladder and the urethra the uterus and the vagina and the rectum so can you guys see that yes Everything is nice and up and it's being supported from here to here is the pelvic floor muscles holding it all together, mm -hmm. right? So as with the prolapse organ, you can see that things are changing. For example, in this picture here, the urethra has a little kink in it. It used to be straight. Now it has a little kink in it. And it's called the urethroceal or the you see the word seal? C-E-L-E -E at the end means that the urethra is collapsing toward the vaginal opening. You can have a cystocele, meaning the bladder that was uptight there is dropping down toward the vaginal opening. So it has a little kink in it. I hear this, women tell me, you know, I urinate, then I get up and 10 minutes later, I have to go and pee again. That may be that because the bladder was up, gravity helped to get things out for you when you were 20 years old. Now you may have had a baby or a surgery or something that your half of your bladder is sitting low. Oh, so wow. one half of your bladder, you get up and move around, then the rest of the urine, your urgency comes back. Okay. So you can have that. Then you can have what they call the rectocele. So again, going back to this picture, for example, you see how the rectum is nice and straight mm -hmm. and here you have a little bulge in here. 
and that's crowding toward the rect- vaginal opening. These are the women, some tell me that, you know, they have to put their finger inside of the vagina and push back to initiate their bowel movement. Some people have to push up on the perineum to initiate the bowel movement. These are the women that think they're constipated because they can't get things out. But when they have a bowel movement, they actually, their bowel looks normal. It's not like pebbles, like a constipation. It's called the obstructed constipation because it just can't come out because it's going to a different canal, right? Mm-hmm. And then the uterus, the uterus itself can collapse downward too. And then depending on how far down it comes, they give it different degrees. Okay. So some person may have a second degree with the uterus or whatever organ, whatever organ is at the vaginal opening, and they're not bothered by it at all. I have patients that have the first degree, which you can see is still way up there, but they're aware of it. It's bothering them. They feel it. They just hate it and stuff. So every person is different. Okay. So none of it is normal. Some of it is common. And again, the level of the bother can be from one person to another. It can be different. And uh, I have to tell you about this little device that I helped build. Um, It said, instead of putting your finger inside your vagina to poop, you can use this to have a bowel movement, to initiate the bowel movement. So, because, you know, as I said, I had my own problems, you know, necessity is the mother of the invention, right? Yeah. No, this is all really, really great information because, you know, some women think that um, they are they have issues and they don't realize the significance of it until what happens if your organs fall out, though? Like if you literally have a prolapse where they're hanging out of the vagina, Um, if it's like hanging, hanging, they usually are a surgical candidate. Um, of the people so they can have it they may have to have a hysterectomy or they just do a lift they call you know they use it a bladder lift or the urethra lift with a little sling or a mesh or something um sometimes they if somebody says you know i only feel it toward the end of the day as i get more tired or if i have a bowel movement if it's more time dependent or activity dependent, then there's a very good chance that we can help them. You teach them how to strengthen their pelvic muscles, strengthen their pelvic floor muscles, teach them how to breathe, how not to hold their breath, like do all sorts of educational stuff. Some women up to have what they call a pessary, and there are some doctors in the area that, uh, or, you know, wherever you are, that do this thing called the pessary fitting. Basically think of it like a little ring that they put inside the vaginal canal, depending on what organ is prolapsing, that holds things up for you. Um, Yeah, so it depends on your person. So how can people, you know, I know you you practice in Virginia still, I'm sure, but um, how can people reach out to you, get in touch with you? Do you have resources on your website? How can they learn a little bit more about pelvic floor therapy? And then if they're in the Virginia area, if you can share where your office is located um, and some information of how they can follow you and connect with you. Oh, wonderful. No, I am in Virginia. Yes, you're right. I am in Fairfax area. Well, Fairfax, Vienna, I don't even know. But it's right next to Mosaic, if people know that area. It's very close to the intersection of 495 and 50. Um, I'm not the only one in the area. So if somebody lives in Upper Maryland or, you know, Virginia, there are some websites that they can find a certified 
people who are doing this type of work. My recommendation to people is that they, if they want to see someone, please read about them. Make sure they didn't just take a course online and call themselves a pelvic floor PT or your yoga instructor that claims that it's a pelvic floor physical therapy. They shouldn't be doing internal work on women. I'm sorry, no offense to yoga instructors. They're wonderful. I just... <laughs> I, to anyone, but just make sure that people have some kind of really educational background. I have a website. My website is Physio Wellness. Um, it's right behind me. Yes. Physiowellnessva.com. And I have some information in there, some blogs. I can, I probably just this triggered my memory that I should add the some links for people that they can plug in their zip code and just see who works uh, at, in this area in the you know within the same certain diameters of there because people may live in you know far away and they can't come a lot of uh, physical therapists are opting now to do like a cash based type of because doctor you know insurance companies have become such a pain but that's how my company is based on as well but if there are questions that I can answer, they can drop it on the physio wellness Gmail. It's on the website. I can guide them. It may take me. I'm just started the clinic, but uh, so I'm a little busy. But I'll, I'm really good about answering emails. It may be just a delay. But um, and again, just talk to your physicians. Talk to whoever listens to you. Just because your story is important. And again. Unfortunately, in America, we are very reactive healthcare. You have to have a problem to do something about it. If we can be more preventative, if you can have a small gathering at your, you know, your girlfriends and their daughters or your church or your school, uh, really to tell the women, I did a talk for my daughter's sorority a few years past. And I was like, don't be okay. Like you were saying, some women think, oh, maybe everybody has pain with sex or maybe everybody leaks a little bit. I had teenage girls that, you know, can't even use a tampon. You know, that's not, okay. you know, they're, they're, those are all signs that something is wrong, whether it's here or here, we need to do it before she has birth and then tear into pieces, you know? Yeah. So, so, oh, so, you know, we thank you so much for coming by. You are always so filled with information. Yeah. Thank you like, so much. I am done. I have to have you come back again live because I mean this this broadcast all over, and you know people will be able to see it on YouTube and not, you know not just hear it but actually be able to see everything that you provided to really explain the importance of this. I will also go as far as to say be very proactive with your with your health because it does tie to other things your mental wellness your emotional wellness. So really be proactive about it. Thank you so much for coming by again. You know, so grateful I'm for you and not having the limits of what we can, you know, broadcast to women and men for that matter. So I'm great. Yes. So nice to meet you too. And yes. All right. Thank you so much. Have a oh, great yeah. evening. We have to have a cocktail together soon. Oh it? yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to have to give you a call. And I, I did send you an email to ask you a question. So. I responded to you. Yeah. So oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Get to you. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. And I'll see you again. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She was absolutely amazing. Yeah, she was. I was like, uh, I couldn't even ask questions. Oh, I'm just listening. Kadori, thank you so much for, for tuning in this whole time. I, I cannot thank Dr. Nazari enough for coming on because she is a wealth of information because she's doing something that is not really being done all, you know, 
as much as it should be done. So I'm so grateful to have her on. How can people reach out to you and stay and, and connect with you? Um, you can reach out to me on Facebook at the Blue Phoenix and on Instagram at the Blue Phoenix Hills. Okay, and this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. I can be found on all platforms at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y. And for the Herspiration brand, you can reach out. We are on almost every uh, podcast platform. You can also see all of our season four visuals on our YouTube channel at Herspiration Happy Hour, as well as on Instagram. You can follow us and connect with us at Herspiration Happy Hour and on Twitter Perspiration HH, because the name is so is long. <laughs> <laughs> you all be sure and tune in for the next one. We have guest after guest after guest that's just absolutely wonderful. If you want to be on the show, hit us in the email at herspirationhappyhour at gmail.com. Tell us what you know, give it, give us your bio, let us know when you want to be on the show, and Louisa will make sure and have you on. So, you know, and of course it is Wednesday and until the next time. Cheers. Cheers.